0: Happy New Year! Welcome back to another sermon podcast from Mount Hope Belmont, where you will hear messages designed to help you learn more about God, grow in your love for God and others, so you can go and live your life driven by faith. This month, we are going to start off the year with a 2020 series. No pun intended, but you and I both know that resolutions are our utmost importance in the first week of the year. Then the question becomes what's next? Join us this month as we look at a resolution that has been kept since the beginning of time and one where God would sacrifice His one and only Son for us. In today's message, we will look at the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 and the difference it can make when we decide to change our lives to fit the Bible instead of changing the Bible to fit our lives. We hope you will enjoy today's message. Well, I'd invite you, if you would, to go ahead and grab a Bible. If you brought one with you, maybe you have it used on your phone or tablet, or there's some, you'll notice in the chairs in front of you, those black chair Bibles, you could grab one of those. In just a couple of minutes, we are going to be in Second Peter chapter 1, Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 11. And if you're not familiar with where Second Peter is in your Bible, uh, it's right after First Peter, But if you're not familiar with 1 Peter is, that's going to be a challenge. So it's on page 1,018 in those black Bibles. So if you grab one of those black chair Bibles, you turn to page 1,018, and we will be there together in just a moment. Something happened happened to me when I was in seventh grade. I was in class, and I, for some reason, very specifically remember it being science class, And I had my my notebook open. In fact, full disclosure, it was probably I had my Trapper Keeper open at the time, in case anyone else knows what that is. I had my, my notebook open, and I was taking notes from the board, and I suddenly had this realization that I wasn't able to read what was up on the board anymore. In fact, it was so fuzzy and blurry that I couldn't read it and take notes. And I'm not sure when it started to happen or how it happened, but somehow over time, my eyesight had gotten worse to the point that I could no longer read what was up on the board well enough in order to put it down in the notebook in front of me. And so I remember going home after school and telling my parents that I think I needed to go see the eye doctor. You know how they do that test every single year at school, or at least they did in our school? And I always passed that test, uh, but all of a sudden it was, it was no good anymore. And so we went to the eye doctor, and sure enough, the eye doctor said that I needed glasses and and I got my pair of glasses, and I remember putting those on and then walking into uh, middle school, into seventh grade, with a pair of glasses. That's a big deal. I don't know if you can remember back to middle school days, but having to now walk back into school not having glasses, and now all of a sudden having glasses, that was a real traumatic event. And I also remember after that first day going back home and walking in and talking to my parents and saying, we are going to get contacts and so I did that, and that's what I've worn ever since. But some of you have that experience. You know what this is like. You know what it's like to all of a sudden realize that the world you used to see so clearly is now fuzzy. And you know what I think all of us want? I, I want this. I, I bet you want it. In fact, I think every person in our world wants this. Every person wants to live life with clarity, don't we? I mean, I want it, you want it. If you put it into the Google search bar, how to live life with clarity, you would find a, an endless amount of results as to how you can live with clarity. In fact, the self-help industry that exists in our, in our world and, and even more specifically in the Western world, it is projected in 2022 to be a $13.2 billion industry. This industry that's really designed around helping us live with clarity. And I think all of us are aware All of us are aware that time is limited and that time is not a commodity. Can't be bought, can't be sold, can't be traded for. But time is a currency, and we are spending it every moment of the day. And we don't want to waste it. So wouldn't it be great? I want this. You want this. I think every person in our world wants this, to be able to live life with great clarity the passage that we're going to look at today in Second Peter, he tells us just that, how you and I can live our lives with great clarity. And he does it in a couple of ways. But before we get to that, let's read these verses together. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power, that's God, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election for if you practice these qualities you will never fall for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior Jesus Christ i don't think it matters where you're from i don't think it matters how old you are i think i think all of us want to live life with clarity Not to waste our time, but to be able to use our time wisely. And there's really two questions that we have to answer. If we're going to be able to live our life clearly, if we're going to be able to see with great clarity, and wouldn't it be great if this was the year, if 2020 was the year that you saw with perfect vision and could live your life with great clarity? In order to do that, we have to answer two questions, don't we? First question we have to answer is, who am I? Who am I? If you're going to live your life with great clarity, you have to know exactly who you are. And there is so much in our world, isn't there, around this idea of understanding who you are and understanding your identity. In fact, I think Christian, non-Christian, secular, churchgoer, this is something we all agree with. If we can get great clarity on who we are, that is a valuable thing for life. In fact, you'll hear stories of people who will say, I was living a life and I felt like I was living a lie, but then I gained great clarity on who I was and it has changed everything. If you could gain perfect clarity on who you are, it would be a great blessing for your life. And the other thing that we have to answer is this, well, then how am I to live? Who am I and how am I to live? People with great clarity in life have the ability to live with great consistency and purpose. When we're absolutely clear on who we are and what we're supposed to do, then it opens up the door to live a life with great consistency and purpose. And we greatly admire, don't we, people that are able to do this well. We look at other people and we look at ourselves and things seem fuzzy and we're not sure what we're supposed to be doing. And we seem like it feels like we're inconsistent, but we look at other people who just know what they're supposed to do with their life and seem to have it all together, and they live their life with such consistency. We look at those people and we say to ourselves, that's what I want to be like. That's who I wish I was. I wish I could have that. We look at people that are, that are business leaders, that, that are great business leaders, and they live their life so purposefully and, and consistently because they know who they are and who they want to be. We look at great athletes Uh, Unfortunately, we're out of those in Boston these days. But we look at great athletes, and they live their lives with such purpose and consistency and and, and purpose. And we we say, like, man, that's how I want to be. Last year, maybe you saw the headlines, or if you're on uh, social media, my guess is you saw this somewhere, because it was all over the place. Last year, the actor in Boston's own, Mark Wahlberg, he posted his daily routine online in response to someone's question. Did anyone see this last year? It was all over the place and the thing that everyone was amazed about was the consistency with which he lived his day and his and his purpose. So, Mark Wahlberg feels like his purpose on this earth is to be a movie star and he stars in a lot of action movies. And so to keep himself in shape and to be in a place where he can do that well, he posted his schedule online. He wakes up every morning, some of you saw this, he wakes up every morning at 2.30 in the morning and begins his first workout. And by the time the rest of us are getting up at like 5.30, 6.30, 7 o'clock, whenever you get up, by the time the rest of us are getting up, he has already put in a workout, he has had a meal, he has had a time of prayer and meditation, and he's already taken his golf lessons for the day. And if you look at his schedule, every moment of the day is timed out. So he's eating at the same times and working out multiple times a day at the same times. And he is, uh, there's time for his business. And he's in bed every single night, he said, by 7.30 p.m. And the result of that, 2017, he was Hollywood's highest paid actor. And he finds work. And he's doing what he wants to do. And we look at that. There's something about that. There's a reason the internet went crazy about that. Because there's something we admire about people when they have great clarity as to who they are and they live their life with great consistency. Now, Peter, in this passage, he tells us who we are. And this this doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter how old you are, what part of the world you're from. This is the same for all of us, Peter would say. Peter tells us in this passage exactly who we are. And it's something far beyond being a business person or being an academic or being uh, an actor or being an athlete. It's something that goes beyond all of that. Peter starts off this passage and he says, are you wondering who you are? And if you're going to live with great clarity, you need to be able to answer this question. And Peter tells us exactly who we are. And he does it right there in verse 3. Look at what he says. He says these words. He says, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life And godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very, very great promises. And look at the words he uses here so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. At the end of verse 3, Paul uses or Peter uses a word and he says, God has called you. This is the same no matter who you are, where you're from. God has called you. Those of us that have been in church for a while, you might be familiar with this word call or calling. I think we do ourselves a disservice when we limit it to people that are in full-time ministry. That's often how we use it. Oh, this person is called to be a missionary. This person is called to be a pastor. The truth is, if you count yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're someone who is following Jesus with your life, you are called. And in your place of work and in your school and in your classroom, God has called you to something. And so we ought not to limit that to a certain group of people, no matter who you are or where you come from you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ God has called you to something and Peter very clearly says here that God has called each and every one of us to be partakers and escapers that's what he says God has called you to be a partaker and escaper if you say you follow Jesus no matter where who you are where you come from you're called to be a partaker in the divine nature of God he says so what does that mean you become a god that's not what he's saying He's saying that as you pursue God and get to know him, you become more and more like him and like his son, Jesus Christ. He's saying if you, you are called throughout the course of your life to become more and more like him and to become less and less like the world around you. Peter says this is, this is who you are. You are called by God to over time become more like Christ to become a partaker in the divine nature and to become less like the world around you, to escape the world with its corruption that comes from sinful desire. That's who you are. It doesn't matter what your place of employment is. It doesn't matter what grade you're in. It doesn't matter what kind of work you do. It doesn't matter where you find yourself in life. This is who you are. We're all the same. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to over time become more like Christ and less like the world around us. So then how are you to live? Well, Peter tells us in the next verse, in verse 5 there, he tells us very clearly, this is how you're to live then. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And in fact, through those verses, verses 5 through 8, and as we go through this series in the month of January, we're going to go through all of those verses But he says, for this reason, because you're called to be a partaker and escaper, because this is who you are, to over time become more like Christ and less like this world. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Another way that word virtue could be translated is moral excellence. Make every effort to supplement your faith with moral excellence. Now, you may say to me, Didn't we just take communion a few minutes ago? And when we took communion, you said to us that the great news of the gospel is it's not about our promise to do better or be better, is that when we walk into church, sometimes we make promises to do better and to be better, and you just said 20 minutes ago that the whole point of the gospel is not our promises to be better, and now here we are in Peter's book. And Peter is telling you and me to make every effort on our own to supplement our faith with virtue and moral excellence. How can the, the, both of those be true? I think it's important just to mention for a moment that the gospel of Jesus Christ and this message is not about earning. We don't earn God's favor through our good works. And so our salvation comes through faith and faith alone. But the gospel is not opposed to some effort on our part to live the life that God is calling us to out of that salvation. So we don't do the good things in order to be saved, but we do the good things empowered by God's spirit because we're saved. And and Peter's saying, if, if you are called to be a partaker and escaper, then there will be a consistency in your life so that you're not doing all of these virtues or things of moral excellence in order to be saved so that God puts gold stars on your chart and you get into heaven, but because God has already saved you and already called you to this. You are doing these things out of that relationship with him. It's consistency. If this is who you say you are, then this is how you ought to live. And Peter tells us too something that we all know is true that bothers us. And that is, we don't like it. We don't like it when somebody says there's something and does something else, do we? We don't like it when someone answers the first question, who they are, with a specific answer, and then their life says something different. That's why everyone was all upset with Facebook over the last couple of years. Because Facebook told us, That they were a company that was just there to connect the world and make it a better place. All they wanted to do was to help connect you with friends and people around the world. They were making the world a better, more efficient place where we were all one giant community. Turns out, it was all about money. And so when they told us it was all about connecting us, and it turns out it was all about harvesting data, everyone got upset everyone got upset because they told us they were something but there wasn't consistency there with what they were doing and you and i know what this is you have a f- friend you have a family member who says they're one thing they say they're with you they say they're on your side they'll always be there for you but then when push comes to shove there's something totally different and man, that bothers us it drives us crazy when someone says they're something but we find out they're something else that drives us nuts And it turns out it drives God nuts too. In verse 9, this is what Peter says. He says, For whoever lacks these qualities, whoever is lacking in virtue, he's saying, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Peter's saying, where there's inconsistency between who you say you are and who you are as someone who's called to partake and escape, and the way that you live your life, where the virtue is not there that matches up with that calling. He's saying it's like you're walking around blind. You've forgotten who you are. And I don't know about you, but I am so aware of those areas in my life. I am so aware of those areas where I know there's an inconsistency between who I say I am as a follower of Jesus Christ and the things that I find myself doing sometimes in my life. I'm so aware of those inconsistencies, and I bet you are as well. Where are those places in your life right now today? Were you saying that you are a part that you are someone who is called by Jesus Christ that you're a partaker and escaper but the things that are going on in your life are inconsistent with that calling where are those places in your life I'm so aware of those things partly because when I go out and I, and I find myself maybe doing those things and maybe I get frustrated and say something I shouldn't say or, or I, I, I get upset about something and people look at me and they, and they squint their eyes and they say something to me like, aren't you a pastor? And I'll say, oh, I am. And I become so aware of this gap between who I say I am and the inconsistencies that can come up in life. And I bet you're aware of them too. The question is, what do we do about them? If this whole idea is that over time we're supposed to become more like Christ and less like the world, how does that happen? And Peter gives you the answer in verse 3. He gives it to you very clearly. He says it this way. He says, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life, His divine power has given you all things that pertain to life. In fact, what Peter's saying there is God has given you everything you need to live life with clarity and consistency. God has given you everything you need to live life with clarity and consistency. God has given you all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, but through the knowledge of him who called us. And the question is, where does that knowledge come from? God's given you everything you need to live a consistent life, to know exactly who you are and how you are to live. The question is, where does that knowledge come from? And the knowledge to live life with absolute clarity. To know exactly who you are and how you're to live your life. That knowledge is available to you because God has made it known to you. And it comes from this book. God has made all things available to you that you need to live your life with perfect clarity and consistency. And that knowledge comes from one place. It comes from this You know, when I got my glasses for the first time in seventh grade, you know what I really remember is I remember the drive home from the doctor's office once I got my new glasses. And I remember sitting in the passenger seat of the car. And as my mom was driving, I was looking around at the world around me, and I had not until that moment fully appreciated how blurry the world had gotten. I didn't even realize that I had stopped reading road signs or stopped reading the signs that were on the sides of buildings because I couldn't see them clearly. It just, I, the world had gotten fuzzy, but my, my brain hadn't even noticed how fuzzy the world had gotten. And I remember putting on those glasses and driving in the car and looking at the world and saying to myself, man, I didn't realize how bad my sight had gotten. And every time my prescriptions changed over the years, for some reason as I get older it just seems to get worse, but every time it changes over the years and I go back to the eye doctor and they give me a new prescription, the same thing happens again. I put them on and I say, I didn't even realize that I couldn't read the microwave display from across the room, but now I can see it clearly again. And the Bible serves the same purpose in our lives. Because when we stay away from this book, It is so easy for things to get fuzzy on who we are and who God is and how he calls us to live. Things get blurry. And then we open up the book and God starts to speak to us through his words. And all of a sudden the world becomes clear. And who I am becomes clear. And who God is becomes clear. And how I'm to live my life becomes clear. And all of a sudden, I begin to realize just how fuzzy the world had gotten. And the only way to appreciate it, the only way to understand it, is to read it. I wish I had a good shortcut for you. There's no good shortcut. The only way to fully appreciate how God speaks to his word through his word and how it gets this clarity and who he is and who we are and how we are to live our lives is to open up the book and to read it for yourself. And there's a lot of helpful supplements that are out there, but I'm not talking about opening up our daily bread and reading that. And I'm not talking about opening up something like Jesus calling and reading that. I'm talking about opening up the book and reading the book for yourself. Not what a someone else's interpretation of the book is, but you opening the book and allowing God to speak to you. If you want clarity in this year as to who God is and who you are and how you are to live, you got to open up the book and read it. Sometimes people will tell me, you know, Pastor, God just doesn't speak to me. I don't hear from him. He speaks to other people, but he doesn't speak to me. i got to be honest with you. That's a signal to me that you're not reading the book with consistency. Because if you read the book with consistency over time, you will hear God's voice speaking to you. When I was 16 years old I went on a retreat with my church's youth group to Aurora, Nebraska. Now I don't need to explain Aurora, Nebraska to you. You've all been there. You know what it's like. But I was sitting in Aurora, Nebraska, as you can imagine, pretty rural place. And we were in this campground, this retreat center. And I was like a typical 16-year-old. I didn't care much for church or about church. It was some place that my parents took us on Sundays. Uh, And I had to go on Wednesday nights to youth group, but until that point, it didn't really matter much to me other than it was a place to see some friends. And I remember in that retreat, our, our pastor said to us, I want everybody to go and to spend some time reading the Bible, and I want everyone to read the book of Habakkuk. Now, I thought he made that name up. I didn't know it was in there. I didn't think it was in there. I've come to learn that Habakkuk is in the Bible. Some people say Habakkuk. Some people say Habakkuk. I don't want to get into a big fight over this right now. But we we can figure that out later. But it's in there, this little tiny book with three chapters. And he said, I want everyone to go find a spot, find a quiet spot, and read the book. So I went and I found this picnic table. And I remember sitting at the picnic table. And I opened up the book. And in the first four verses of the first chapter, this prophet Habakkuk is really upset with God. In fact, he says to him something like this. I'll paraphrase. He says something like this. God, the world is a mess. And when I tell you about it, I don't hear you do anything or see you do anything. The world isn't the way it's supposed to be, and you're not doing anything. In fact, this is what the prophet says to God. In fact, I think that if you were who you said you were, the world would be a better place. And I got to tell you, at 16 years old, where I was in that moment, that really resonated with me. Why is that? And you felt that way too. If God was real and who he says he is, maybe the world would be a better place. And in verse five, after those first four verses of complaint, God answers the prophet. And he says these words. Habakkuk chapter one, verse five. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if I were to tell you it was true. Look at the nations and watch, God said to the prophet, and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if I were to tell you it was true. And for the very first time in my life, I heard God's voice speak to me. I didn't see the clouds open up. Nothing came down. Nothing was written in fire on the picnic table. But I heard God's voice speak to me. And this is what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, if you, will give me your life, I'll do more with it than you could ever do on your own. It won't be you doing it, it'll be me doing it. But if you will give me your life, I'll do more with your life than you could ever do on your own. The only reason I'm standing here right now, the only reason I came to Massachusetts, where I met my wife and started a family, The only reason all of that has happened is because of that moment at that picnic table where I opened the book and read, and God had a chance to speak to me. He gave me clarity as to who I was and what I was supposed to do. You want clarity in your life as to who you are and what you're supposed to do. You've got to read the book. And over and over again through my life, and people in the room here could tell you similar stories, over and over again through my life, as I've read the book and read what God has said and listened to his words, God has spoken and brought clarity. And sometimes I look up and I just realize how fuzzy everything has gotten. And I need this lens so I can see things clearly. And you need it too. So when we talk about who we are at Mount Hope, There's a phrase that we use about the Bible, and we say this, we don't change the Bible to fit our lives, we change our lives to fit the Bible. And here's what I would say to you this year, you want to live a life of clarity this year, you want to know who you are and who God is and what he wants you to do, don't change the Bible to fit your life this year, allow your life to be changed by this book this year. And there's all sorts of ways that you could do that. There's all sorts of reading plans that are out there. And if you want to read, try to read the Bible uh, through a year in, in one year, and most of us try to do that and we quit two weeks in, uh, there's all sorts of great plans that are out there and available to you. The Bible Project is a great one. The Bible Project has pretty amazing videos that tell you what each book means and gives you a great summary of the book before you read it. Google The Bible Project. It's a great one. The YouVersion Bible app has thousands of Bible reading plans that you can use. It's pretty user-friendly. But when you walked in today, we gave you this sheet of paper, and I hope you got one when you walked in. And on this sheet of paper is every single book of the Bible, and on the right-hand side is how long it would take you to read that book, an average, if you just sat down and read it straight through. The only books you'll notice that don't have a time are Psalms and Proverbs, because those books weren't designed to be read straight through in one sitting. Those are designed to be read in pieces. Psalms is prayers and songs, and Proverbs is it's Proverbs. But the rest of these books, it gives you the time that it would take. And here's what I'm going to encourage you to do this year. I'm going to encourage you this year, as you read the Bible and God's Word, to emphasize quality over quantity. And don't just try to push through as much as you can get through in a year. But take one of these books And say, I'm going to spend the entire month in the book of Romans. Or I'm going to spend the entire month in the book of Ruth. And read it over and over again. And allow God to speak to you through it. And I'd ask you to consider that right now. What would quality over quantity look like for you this year in reading God's word? To take a part of it and to focus in on it. And go deep into what God is saying. I promise you. If you will open up the book and read it, God will speak to you. I'd like to invite our worship team forward as we prepare to close this morning. And as we do, I'd invite you, would you just stand with me? Would you stand with me as we prepare to close? And I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then we'll sing this song together. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the clarity that brings into our lives. Yeah, that where things get fuzzy as to who you are and who we are and how we're supposed to live, that your word, as we open it and you speak to us by your spirit, brings clarity into our lives. God, I pray that by your spirit you will give us a passion for your word. God, that we will read it and that we will hear your voice. Thank you that you still speak. You know, almost everyone in the room right now, you are facing something that you know you can't handle on your own. There is a situation in your life today that you are not sure what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to get through it. And I don't know what it is. For everyone else, it's something different. For some of you, it's a relationship in your family or at work. For some of you, it's a financial deal. For some of us, it's a diagnosis. For some of us, you're just battling. You're battling a lack of purpose and loneliness. I don't know what it is for you, but I know this. As your church, we are here to walk with you and we are here to pray with you. We are here to ask God for his goodness and his direction, but the best way for you to hear God's voice in the midst of those areas is to open up the book and read it for yourself. Let God speak to you. It will change your life. God, all those things that we're facing this year that are unclear, God, we put them in your hands. And we trust and we know that you will do more with them than we could ever do on our own. Speak to us by your word. And we will follow your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship our God together. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m., and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at MT Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.